Hello, it's Bonnie here again today and thanks for listening to The Leader Podcast where we bring you news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standards newsroom every day at 4pm. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you like it, hit subscribe and if you have a moment, give us a rating too. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. The city of Leicester locks down. It may seem a bit premature to make a speech now about Britain after Covid when that deceptively nasty disease is still rampant and when many in this country are nervous, rightly, about more outbreaks, whether national or local, like the flare-up in Leicester. As Prime Minister Boris Johnson headed to Dudley, where he promised billions of pounds for public projects that will help open up the rest of the country. And... There are three routes that they have sort of plotted out through the gallery. You will be able to go kind of slowly and look at stuff at your leisure, but, you know, there might be a time if you're standing in front of a Crivelli for 15 minutes, someone will be like, we do have a capacity here, would you mind moving on to the next room? The National Gallery is reopening. The Evening Standard's Nancy Durrant spoke with director Gabriele Fernaldi, who said after 111 days in lockdown, things will look a little different. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, Leicester businesses are dealt a devastating blow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We cannot continue simply to be prisoners of this crisis. We're preparing now slowly, cautiously, to come out of hibernation. And I believe it's absolutely vital for us to set out the way ahead 
As Leicester became the first UK city to go back into full lockdown amid a surge in coronavirus cases, Prime Minister Boris Johnson was elsewhere in the Midlands promising a so-called New Deal to soften the blow to the country's economy post-pandemic. Our editorial column says perhaps he should have been making a different speech. Boris Johnson picked the wrong day, the wrong place and the wrong theme for his big speech today. This was meant to be the start of Britain's, sorry, his big comeback. So how's that working out? He headed to Dudley to make what he hoped would be an eye-catching speech about opening up. But just 55 miles away in Leicester, the virus is spreading again and the government is locking the city down. What's the plan for the Leicester lockdown? Why, days after it was first rumoured, is it still being only done slowly, when we know the way to control the virus is to act fast? Why has the government not even yet set out its powers to do this, as it had promised to do by the end of the month? That's the important thing that Mr Johnson should have been talking about in the Midlands today. At least he's got one thing right. All eyes are on the Midlands, just as he wanted. Only it's what's happening in Leicester, not his speech in Dudley, that's getting our attention. But what's life like on the ground for local shops and businesses in Leicester who've been preparing for weeks to finally open their doors? Barry Stephen, who owns Barry Stephen Hair Salon, joins me now. Barry, how did you feel after hearing lockdown would extend for another two weeks? Well, very disappointed. It's frustrating, to say the least, um, with an announcement like that and not, no backup or follow through. And so we were just left hanging. So uh, you asked the question, how do I feel after we're exhausted? <laughs> because uh, we've only just accessed the map in terms of boundaries here in Leicester and Leicestershire. So uh, unfortunately, two of my businesses in the city centre uh, are not going to be open now for the foreseeable. You've obviously been thinking that you might be able to reopen soon. What has gone into the preparations to reopen for Saturday? Well, you know, we haven't stopped. I haven't stopped since, um, you know, since lockdown, really, uh, in terms of making sure my team, first of all, were okay and the clients. And then putting uh, the practical side and the measures and the guidance. Of course, it was only two weeks ago we were given that guidance. Yet again, we were left. But I think we followed similar countries when we looked at what Germany and Denmark and of course we're in touch with uh, the industry and so that we could see what was happening uh, through L'Oreal and Weller and Swartz and various companies like that so um, and um, and we we came up with our own um, guidance what could the client expect coming into the salon there'd be a a pre-digital consultation Uh, the clients would be encouraged to um, make a reservation fee to secure that appointment Um, And from coming to the salon, they they would be advised on what time to come. They couldn't come late. They have to turn up on time. They couldn't bring anybody with them. There was so much protocol put into place. We would greet them at the door. We would use hand sanitizer. We would elegantly put sanitizer in their hands and we would do the same. So we split the teams into two shifts. We've got an A and a B team so that if anybody did get poorly or there were any uh, signs of COVID, 
that that team could go off and isolate and therefore it wouldn't shut the business down. We'd still be able to, you know, to work at 50% capacity. That's a lot of logistics to consider. What's it cost you to make these preparations? I've spent thousands of pounds on preparation with, you know, from disposable towels, disposable gowns, masks, uh, visors, and, and actually the only, a lot of it is just guidance. None of it is is lawful, you know. So, I mean, actually, um, the only thing we have been told to wear is the visor. Um, but of course, we're wearing gloves and, and we've put all of that PPE uh, in place. And of course, the two metre distance in, and we've still worked on that model. I remodelled one of my salons in Ansley and I've spent a ton of money on um, redesigning that and int- uh, I had a tenant upstairs so we've, we've sort of given notice to him and we've turned upstairs into a salon as well and put a, a backwash in there so we've gone all out basically Bonnie you know in terms of spending lots of money preparing the salons and then of course to be told we can't open them it, it's devastating. You must have had bookings for weeks on weeks um, what happens to those clients now? I took um, a couple of my front house team off furlough two weeks ago and uh, they are working through the the bookings. Now of course they've got thousands of appointments to reschedule uh, and the process will be pushing them back the two weeks and ongoing. We're fully booked for sort of six to eight weeks anyway but um, how long can people wait you know and hey it's such an emotional business you know and when times like this you know very stressful times unprecedented times where you know you don't know where you are it really does make you feel it's a great tonic having your head I think it's a shame they've had to lock down Leicester but I understand if there is a a serious issue which they're saying there is then of course health before anything else but I do feel in some ways they're they're picking on Leicester in a way and, and using it as an example and maybe also using it as a guinea pig, really, because I guess we're not going to be the first city in, in the UK to be shut down. I think this is this probably the first of many. Um, but sadly, we have to um, we have to start that, you know. Next, it is an opportunity to kind of reconnect with that local audience and to remind them that this is their gallery, this is their artworks, these are the things that they own. The National Gallery prepares for its big reopening. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The 
National Gallery's director, Gabriele Finaldi, has waited 111 long days to reopen the doors to our gallery. He says it's a big moment, not just for him, but for the recovery of the nation. When the doors finally open on July 8, visitors can expect the same amazing artworks, but a very different viewing experience. Arts editor Nancy Durrant spoke with Mr Filnardi for a piece in today's Evening Standard. She joins me now. Nancy, what will we see inside the National Gallery next week? It's going to be a bit different. Uh, They are going to be functioning with a reduced capacity. So it'll be about sort of a fifth to a quarter of the number of people who you would normally expect to go through the doors. Um, It'll be largely a local audience because obviously nobody can get here um, and everybody's scared to get on a plane, which is fair enough. Um, And there'll be a, a, you know, you'll have to wear a mask and all that, or at least you'll be you'll be encouraged to wear a mask Um, and there'll be a one way system. So there are three routes that they have sort of plotted out through the gallery and they all pass like several masterpieces. So, you know, nobody's going to miss out on anything depending on what they choose. So the first one, you know, you've got stuff like the Wilton Diptych, you've got Botticelli, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Raphael, all the kind of warring Italians and then a bit of Van Eck, which would be lovely. Um, the second one, a bit of Rubens, Rembrandt, your Vermeers, your Velasquez, uh, Caravaggio, Artemisia. Uh, that Artemisia exhibition, by the way, that was planned for now uh, is definitely happening, but it will happen later in the year and they'll be announcing that date uh, fairly soon. And the last one, uh, you know, your Holbein, your Hogarth, your Gainsborough um, and the last those two B and C um, routes, you get your Turners, your Monets, your Seurat and your Van Gogh because they are, you know, those are the ones everybody wants to see all that 19th century gorgeousness. Um, so you will be able to go kind of slowly and look at stuff at your leisure, but you know, there might be a time if you're, you know, I don't know, standing in front of a Crivelli for 15 minutes, someone will be like, um, we do have a capacity here. Would you mind moving on to the next room? That kind of thing. It's going to be quite weird, I think, but they've put in new, better filtration systems for the, for the air and you know, perspex at all the ticket desks and all that kind of thing. And the cafe will only be um, takeaway, that sort of stuff. But you can still buy all the bits and pieces in your postcards and all those kind of things in the shop. You spoke with Gabriel Finaldi. What are the big challenges they're facing in opening up? And do they see that there'll be any long-term impacts? Yes, there are some serious challenges um, and long-term impacts, not least of which is money. I mean, they're not getting any money, you know, not at the moment. They need a government bailout. Everybody's hoping that Oliver Dowden's going to, you know, uh, make good on his promise to sort it all out. Uh, but so far, that money has not been forthcoming. The main problem with that is that, so there are various issues, but for, for starters, 65% or so of the National Gallery's audience comes from overseas. That's gone. Um, 50% roughly of their income comes from commercial sources. So ticket sales for major exhibitions, uh, the shop, the cafe, um, events like hiring of the gallery, which was really, really growing over the last few years. Lots of corporate events. I mean, you can even get married at the National Gallery, which I think is really cool. God knows how much it costs. Um, So all of that, of course, is completely gone. It's not just going to be that 2020 is going to be a tough year. You know, looking down the line, according to Finaldi, looking at the finances, he thinks that 2022 is going to be the really tough one because they simply have no idea 
where they stand or what's going to happen. They can't plan. You know, this year the exhibitions were planned out, but this is about the time when you'd be kind of finalising your exhibitions for 2022 in a gallery like the National, and they simply have no idea what they're going to be able to do. So that is going to be really complicated I think even just the logistics of getting the art to the gallery I mean they must have no idea how that will work well exactly at the moment you know one of the reasons why the Artemisia can't happen right away and couldn't couldn't happen when we were sort of going into lockdown was that they literally just couldn't get the paintings out of Italy you asked him this question which I thought was really nice are there any positives to have come out of all this there are some positives and one of those positives and I think all of the galleries in London and possibly across the UK would say this and that is that they have been talking to each other in a way that they have never done before you know there's so much more conversation so much more communication so much more collaboration Also for somewhere like The National, as I said, 65% of its audience has been from overseas, which is great. And we want them to come back. My goodness, we want them to come back. But this is an opportunity, hopefully a brief one, but it is an opportunity to kind of reconnect with that local audience and to remind them that this is their gallery. This is their artworks. These are the things that they own and like why that is a wonderful thing. And, you know, he said in the, in the interview, and I think he's sort of right, I mean, it's a bit soppy, but I think art is kind of fundamental to sort of, you know, our existence as, as humans. And actually it can be quite healing, just being able to stand in front of something that is basically just beautiful and extraordinary and that you couldn't do, you know, is kind of, is kind of uplifting. And if you'd like more on that story, check out Nancy's interview with the National Gallery's director, Gabriele Finaldi, in the latest edition of The Evening Standard or at standard.co.uk. And that's The Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. See you then.